motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Hey everyone, welcome to the How To Property Podcast again. Uh, thank you very much for listening so far. And if you haven't already subscribed, make sure you do subscribe and don't forget to leave a review. Uh, I'm really excited today. I've got Paul Tinker on and uh, he's going to show us Talk to us about uh, project developments, how to run them successfully, uh, give us an insight of what he's up to, and we'll just have a bit of a chit-chat as well. So uh, first and foremost, Paul, um, absolute pleasure to have you on board. Thank you very much for coming on board. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So, um, well, let's just start with what you're up to at the minute. What, um, what, what's in the pipeline? What are you doing at the minute? Uh, so across the board, I run a construction business, a training business, development business i've sort of got a hand in the deal sourcing side of things and i've got a hand in the safety consultancy as well but my core my core business the thing i spend most time on is training and construction at the construction company now the construction company works solely in the property space we work solely for uh, people looking to add value through refurb or conversion and our training business supports that as well so that's the same they operate in the same space which is quite handy yeah uh, and at the minute we've got on a Commercial to resi conversion, just outside of Hull, that's got a gross development value of 1.3 million. We've got a commercial conversion for a client in Doncaster. The gross development value of that is just short of 2 million. Uh, I'm just looking at the wall now. We've got two little flips going on uh, just outside of Hull, and they are 15K each. And then we've got a another grade two listed commercial conversion building just outside of Lincoln, and that is... Oddly, seems to be the biggest, but it's the lowest value. Uh, that's two hundred and fifty thousand. So, why do you feel that one's the biggest? Why do I think it's the biggest? Yeah. No, I wish I knew that. I wish I knew the answer to that, but I don't. I think it's just uh, taking too much time up. It must be that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, st- it's stuck at the minute in planning and in um, in with a conservation officer. You know, there's okay. a lot of tools throwing on on design issues, design details, and stuff that she's wanting to retain. Uh, that the conservation officer that is. So it just seems to be, I'm probably seeing it as the biggest because it's taking the longest because there's lots and lots of hurdles and hoops to jump through with it. Fair, is fair. And do you, um, do you invest in these projects yourself or are they just sort of solely for other investors and you doing the work? Uh, so it's a mix, really. Uh, the two little flips, though, those are both mine uh, that I bought through our de- development company. Uh, the commercial conversion, the 1.3 million ones ours as well, uh, that, that comes through as direct. The Doncaster one is for a client, and the one just outside of Lincoln is for a client as well. Okay. So it's a bit of a mix, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how are you finding um, how are you finding the market at the minute since sort of pre-lockdown, during lockdown, post-lockdown? In terms of what, how it is generally. Yeah, like finding deals, evaluations, things like that. And Fucking nightmare. <laughs> you go over your property, and before you get there, and someone's put an offer in, and you think, Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of property going that's been bought over market value. So mm-hmm. as us has been taught what we've been taught is you know buying it below market value, it's just not happening at the minute. Yeah. So it, um it, it's it's quite difficult. I, I think it's gonna fall off a cliff though towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, yeah, maybe I agree with that. back in the November. It can't keep going like this, it just can't. Uh why do you think it is? It's like a million don't... dollar question. I ask it to everyone and no one seems to have an answer. <laughs> You know what I think it is? Everyone's been able to borrow a load of cheap money. Yeah. With bounce backs and all that, uh, all that. And they've got this money now sat in a bank account with nothing to do with, you know, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's, well, that's what I think. No, yeah, I think that there's definitely an element of that. I think, obviously, the stamp duty thing is probably triggering the residential uh, move. Uh, I know I've spoken to a few people and they weren't really planning on moving, but they feel like they've got to do it now because of this opportunity with the stamp duty. So I think there's that. But I, I do think um, on last week's show, I was talking to Tony and we were you know, talking about furlough ending at the end of October. And, and that, you know, I, I think the end of October, it might be a bit premature, but I think that's when we'll start to see a bigger change. But as you say, definitely towards the end of the year, probably an agreement there. And But then I think it'll fall into our hands hopefully anyway if you cash ready to go and and yeah, you can start yeah. sweeping up some of these motivated um sellers and you know and, and i think that's where we go so do you have a preference on what you're buying or where you're looking or how you're finding sort of deal sourcing or do you just kind of just go out there and see what's out there no i don't have a preference no uh if you i like to i like to find stuff you know that's i don't like to find it off market for any other reason that, than to say I found it, mm. you know, and I know there's further opportunity that when you do that, when you come across something like that, you know, you, there's no competition, it's, there's no advertising, there's no agents to pay, all of that stuff. But it, it, that's not the reason I like to do that. I like to be, you know, I love to walk down a high street and you know, sort of peer between two buildings and find a shit hole and go, let's go find out who owns that, yeah, and, and sort of try and create some out of that. The commercial conversion that I bought was a disused derelict building in uh, in a little town called Barton on Umber, just outside of Hull. And it used to be a cinema. Then somebody converted the cinema into a set of squash courts, and uh, you know it, this building was it was almost it looks like it's falling down. And I got in touch with a bloke on Facebook. Uh, I said, "Is this your building?" And he was like, "Yeah." So what are you doing with it? He goes, "Nothing really." You know, I've got I don't have to pay any rates on it. The council have made it exempt because it's derelict. And I was like, "Well, do you want to sell it?" And it just went from there. Yeah, it was great how how it came about. You know, there was no sort of, there was no, oh, you know, no competition, no him playing other buyers off me and all that type of jazz. And uh, he was he was a bit too old school, this guy. Uh, so so we agreed a price, and it was like, and he like held his hand out. And I was like, what? Well, come on then, give us the money. And I was like, mate, I still got to go through a solicitor. <laughs> no, 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 we ain't going to do that. You give me the money, I'll give you the keys. And that's how he was, this guy. He was like in his 70s uh, and he really didn't want to go down down the legal route uh, for whatever reason. But, yeah. Did you get it in the end? Yeah, we got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's due to start the reef. The planning on that's uh, dropped this, what are we now, October? Dropped dropped about three weeks ago, the planning, uh, formally, because we bought it on a, on a conditional purchase where that, you know the, the purchase price becomes due once we get planning and it yeah. was in planning for just over 18 months okay um that, that was great for us uh, yeah you know especially when lockdown happened we'd have been bollocks if that plan had dropped at the start of at the start of lockdown yeah. we'd have been sat with this big lump of a building that we can't touch yeah um, yeah so that would have been a nightmare so we'll be so we'll drop quite lucky with it so yeah that's getting cool. converted into eight terraced houses um mm. big job then Cool. Yeah. So, um, I mean, most of the listeners, or not most, but quite a lot of the listeners will be more than likely starting their journeys out or they might have, you know, done a bit of rent-to-rent sort of stuff and got a flavor for property and how the operations work. And then, you know, my strategy or my wealth-building strategy is buy, refurb, refinance. So, you know, just trying to spend money through um, little singlets, mainly HMOs, that sort of stuff. Um, what, obviously, your training company falls right in line with teaching people how to properly go through a refurb and make sure that they've got all the um, I's uh, crossed and T's dotted or whatever the saying is. But um, 
what do you find the, the biggest mistakes are that the sort of someone that's wanting to do the first BRR deal, the going out alone, what, what, do you, what are some of the biggest mistakes and things that they really need to look out for? I think the biggest, I don't think it's a mistake. Uh, I think it's just a lack of knowledge and a lack yeah. of awareness. Yeah. Um, it is the, most people, I'll call, we'll call them new newbies to the property space. They'll, they've gone and done some sort of training. Might have been a day's seminar where they've had their awareness raised to this opportunity of being able to add value uh, to, to, to generate income. They may have just watched a couple of episodes of Grand Designs or Homes Under the Hammer or, okay. or something like that, where they teach, where they show you how to buy a property and how to refinance it. And then when it comes to the bill cost, the bit that moves, the important bit, the, the only part of the whole deal that you're in control of, it's a guess. People guess that bill cost, like literally. And we have deal packages that, that come to us and say, I've packaged this deal up for a client, will you do the bill for us? All right, have you packaged that deal up? And these are my questions. Literally, I ask these questions back. How did you arrive at that bill cost? Oh, I'd give them a square meter rate or... Or, or, or even worse, well, I didn't really view it. I just, you know, sort of based it off the one next door and you think, oh, my fucking God. You've got into this deal like that. And then they start chipping and moaning that my price to them is higher than what they've packaged up. And yet the, the price they packaged up in the first place wasn't based on anything. It was just a guess or yeah. a number that or something that their mates have said. And it's, it, to have that, you know, when you're investing that level of money, and even on a small deal, even on a little 40 grand house in, in Gainsborough or somewhere, they're still guessing at that bill cost and it's absolutely mental to, to approach that much money with a guess is absolutely crazy. You know, when I go to a, when I go to a join a new gym at 30 quid, I want to know what I'm getting for my 30 quid. <laughs> no, so I'm going to know what I'm getting for a 40 grand house. I absolutely want to know what I'm getting. Yeah. How oh, yeah. long? Um, how long would you say in a forty grand house that needed a bit of work? How long would you say you spend on the viewing to analyze what what is required? Every viewing I go on, it takes me an hour. Okay. Every time on on a house of that level, yeah, you, know, you start getting into bigger houses, then it's going to take not just one visit; it'll take multiple visits. Take mm-hmm. Doncaster, for example. The, the bill cost on that is it's going to be. We started off the baseline figure. We started off at three hundred k. Now that. That took me probably six visits to, to get to arrive at that. Maybe it's even seven, if I remember right. Six or seven visits. Before and do you do it in stages? So you look at a certain part in one visit and then you go? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do break it down and it's, it might be right. Today I'm going to go and I'm going to concentrate on on X and then today I'm going to go and we'll see what the rip out is going to be. Because mm-hmm. you know, all that takes time to put all that together. You can't just guess it. You can't just go into a property that needs a refurbishment and guess. Even worse are the, are the fucking clowns that price it up off right move. <laughs> honestly, I get sent pictures, right move photos. Can you price up this refurb? And you just, oh, honestly. <laughs> How, um, I think the burning question most people will be thinking here is, okay, so you spend an hour on a view and how do you get around the estate agent that wants it in and out in 10 minutes because they've got to go to the next viewing? I tell him in advance. Mm. If I'm going on an accompanied viewing with an investor and that investor's paying me because we charge for that service, that investor will pay me, we charge 250 quid to go on the viewing with them. And one thing we're really clear about is I need 60 minutes in that property. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the agents just leave us with the keys and come back. Sometimes they sit in the car and wait. I think if you tell them, in my experience anyway, if you tell them that's the case, that's the case, yeah. and uh, you know you get your sixty minutes. I think it's them that turn up. 
And the, the agent's got an expectation that you're going only going to be there for 10 minutes. And then you take 60 minutes. That's when they start getting pissed off. Yeah. No, I, I went on one a couple of weeks ago and I was getting shooed out the door after like 10 minutes. Like, I've got to go to my next one. I was like, well, I'm not finished. You yeah. know, <laughs> like yeah. you expect me to spend 85 grand on this house. You know, I'm, I'm not finished. I'm not doing it in 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it is me- madness though. It is mad. Like we've just bought our family home for ourselves and obviously it wasn't cheap. And, we look around it in like 20 minutes and then you're spending that sort of money and it's just, it just doesn't go hand in hand. It's mental. It's absolutely yeah. mental, the property game at times. And uh, I think there is an element where you can wing it and get away with it. And uh, I think that's probably more luck than anything. Well, of uh, course there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, know, you, you, I think can, you can wing it and you can get lucky and you can get a result. But if you want to do it properly over and over and over again, if you keep winging it every time, it's going to bite in. It's going to bite you at some point. So, Eventually, yeah. Definitely. Okay. So, um, okay, let's, uh, let's dig into what's your, what's your biggest mistake that you've made so far? My biggest mistake? Biggest disaster. Got to be my first property purchase when I thought I was Johnny Big Bollocks and knew everything. Because <laughs> we do, don't we? Oh yeah. No, yeah, but it was a commercial conversion. Uh, a, it was an old, uh, was it a library? Yeah, it was a library getting turned into four, two houses and two flats. So it was getting turned into four units. But this library was bolted onto um, a doctor's surgery, and the doctor's surgery was selling off fifty percent of this building, which was a library. Uh, and oh, excuse me, oh, shut that up. Made it worse. See, look at that. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, where was I? Yeah, the library. And this, um, the library had got planning to turn it into the two houses and the two flats. And we, um, we'd gone back to them. We made an offer. It was, if I remember right, I think we offered 90,000. Yeah, it was 90 grand we offered. And they said, excuse me, I have to turn it And they said, uh, yeah, we accept your offer. Uh, here's, the, here's the planning permission. But you're going to have to make a change on the planning. And I was like, what do you mean? So the access to this particular building planning application was through the doctor's surgery. So all access to all the houses and the flats, you had to go through the doctors. It was a mistake that the initial architect had made. So they accepted this offer at 90000 uh, And we was like, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll make that change. So whilst it was sat in legals, we went to our architect and said, can you make this change for us? And he goes, uh, yeah, but this is in a conservation area. Where do you want me to put the doors? They're going to have to go on to the other side of the building. He's like, oh, I don't know if they're going to get that through planning because it's in a conservation area and you're changing the building's facade. And he was like, well, there's no other alternative. You know, it can only go here. Otherwise, it's accessed through the surgery. And he goes, well, I'll put it in and we'll see what it what comes back with. Uh, this went on for a couple of months. It went backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And then the architect bill came in at about five grand at the end of it. We got the planning uh, changed and all this time had elapsed. And we'd gone back to the surgery and said, right, we're ready. We're in a position to purchase now. And they turned around and said, we're not selling it anymore. So I changed their planning for them and paid for it. They then took it off the market and then they sold it to someone else for 220 grand. Okay. I was and was that just... Who were legals from yourself at the beginning? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
total take responsibility for it yeah. at the time my mindset wasn't there yeah. um, at the time the mindset was I'm going to fucking burn that doctor's surgery down if they don't sell it for <laughs> 90 grand honestly I was raging yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no, that, that was my biggest mistake I'd never do that again yeah okay fair dude and do you um, obviously you've got your own portfolio yourself what's what sort of the, the mix of tenant strategy on that? Do you, do you get involved in any of the sort of super rent stuff, the HMOs, the service accommodation, or are you just single let sort of standard tenant type stuff? No, single let, standard buy to let tenant. I outsource everything. I give all of that away because I don't want it in my world. It takes it would take up too much time uh, that I've got no interest or enthusiasm for it. I'd need constant motivation yeah. to, to pick up the phone to them. You know, it's, it's not a, a space I want to be involved with. So I ju- I ju- I, it's all gone. I have an agent that manages the lot. Okay. So just buy them numbers, purchase, you know, refurb them, kick them on the agent and just collect the money each month. And, and Yeah. In- interestingly, I haven't always refurbed them. Um, I took a property on in uh, in Barton again about, oh, where are we now? 2020, uh, about two years ago. And as I was buying it, it needed a refurb. Uh, and... When I say it needed a reverb, it was habitable, but it was it was a bit tired. Uh, and this guy approached me in the gym and said, oh, I've heard you've just bought that property in on Holy Dyke, the name of the street. And I said, yeah, yeah. He said, oh, I've been after that to, for ages to move in there, but the other landlord won't have me. So, oh, well, why won't he add you? Oh, because I was DSS and this, that, and the other. He said, I'd love to move in there. And I was like, hmm, I saved myself 15 grand on the reverb here. Could you want to move in? He went, yeah, all right. So he's moved in without having it refurbed and it's ready for a refurb and has been for the last two years uh he's done the he's done his the carpets himself he's decorated it himself uh you know it's a decent standard uh, and he's still he's still in there now uh, i haven't been able to pull the money out add any value and pull any money out yet though which yeah. is the downside to it yeah um but yeah it's um i just didn't when i had that ten chomping at the bit to get in it was like do you know what let's just put him in there yeah. we were busy at the time and we'll get to it when we get to it yeah, I think when you start off, obviously it's it's important to recycle that cash because you've probably only got a smaller amount. But as you grow and you scale and the cash flow builds up and you start adding mm-hmm. more into your pot, then sometimes you can you're not in as that much of a hurry to pull the money out, you know. And uh, yeah, because yeah. especially with date like my deal pipeline, I mean it's pretty dry. I bought a potential HMO Monday, um, but that's all we've got, and normally we've got a good handful in the pipeline at all times but i think that's just a sign of what's been happening lately i think brr just doesn't work at the minute or you know i think the signs it's coming back but for the last three months it's not been working that's for sure people are paying too much from up front that's the problem Mm. yeah well tony and i were talking last week about the valuation side of things because for investors there's a different valuation to obviously the residential side because if we went and had to ask for 10 15 grand on top of the market value for a property that's not done up well we'd just get told to piss off yeah. <laughs> you know whereas like you buy it for a residential use and it's like yeah no bother just tick the boxes if you can afford it you can have it yeah, yeah. Um, so it's uh you know it, it's all fun and games at the minute um so what's what's the direction you just keep doing what you're doing have you got anything are there, are there any other sort of investment strategies that you're involved in or do you just uh we've got a couple of deals on the table and having having the training academy has has opened up doors to people wanting to joint venture with us uh, we've got a couple of things on the table at the minute i, I don't want to go into them yet because you know until the sort of things i don't like to mention them it's like you know um but the what was the question again 
What, 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 where do you want to, where do you see you taking your company the next year yeah, or yeah. so? You're, you know, like where you're heading or you're just keeping it fairly similar? Yeah, what, no, what so I, want, I want to grow the training business is, is where my passion and focus is at the minute. I, I like the construction company. I like the level that it's at the minute. I don't particularly want to grow it any bigger than what it is. Um, so in terms of my, my energy, that goes into the, into the training academy. Now, interestingly, throughout lockdown, I almost considered closing the uh, construction business down and putting all my energy into the training side of things. And the guys were like, well, how do you train people in refurb when you, when you don't have a construction business? And I was like, well, this is training. And he goes, well, that just makes you like another one of these fucking property knobheads that was out there, teacher's property strategy. And then I was like, oh, fair one, yeah. So we kept it, kept, we kept it going, kept it open. And, and right now, I'm not putting any energy into it. And it's it's got the most work that it's ever had at any one time. It's mad. Yeah. Yeah, I bet, I bet on that side, you've probably sweeped up quite a bit since lockdown, I'd imagine, with, with yeah. everything. You know, I mean, just getting all the tradesmen at the minute hard enough. So you, you kind of fall in line with that as well, don't you? So yeah. Um, yeah. it's been, it doesn't matter how good of a team you've had in the past and what have you. They're all just pulled from pillar to post. That even, you know, the guys I work with regularly are still, you know, a bit slower than usual because they're just pulled from pillar to post, and yeah. uh, which is good for them, you know, obviously, because everyone went through a bit of a tough time during COVID, especially in the, in the building sort of game. And, um, you know, so, so it is good for them to get that work back in. I just hope it continues, really. Yeah. Um, you know, the more, uh, the more t- it happens for everyone. I think everyone's getting a bit tired of this whole COVID thing. That's for sure. The, the lockdowns, the restrictions, I know um, service accommodation side, it's having an impact. I mean, you know, it's, it's not, um, I think if you set up right, uh, thankfully, I think we go after the right market on that. Um, mm. then, then you can still make money out of it. But, you know, I think the, the tourist side of things is definitely taking a bit of a hit, especially with the localised lockdowns and, and things like that. So, um, okay, cool. So um, as we come towards the end of the show, obviously I always ask you to sort of ask me a couple of questions. Um, and think you want to fire my way? <laughs> Pick my brains. Yeah. How many SA units do you operate then now? Um, oh, I don't know. We took on another five yesterday. Um, we're, we're, we're acquiring hard because I manage serviced accommodation as well. So it's not only mine that I run, we manage it for other people as well. I do get, I get a report off my head cleaner of how many beds we change per week so I can know roughly what the cleaning bill is going to be. And that's about 400 to 450 a week. So um, probably 85 units, something like that, I would imagine. Um, but we're, we're scaling all the time on that front. And... Um, we were pushing down south and we were, we were doing some stuff down there and uh, we've picked up quite a bit in the northeast again. And I think it's a great industry to be in. And I think if you can get, if you can get a city that's um, got the contractor attraction, but also then on a the weekend has the tourists, then you've ticked both the boxes. And my, my model is contractors. It always has been the businesses staying. They need the Monday to Friday as the home from home. And that's how we set them up. And if we get the weekend bookings, great. That's the bonus. That's the icing on the cake. Uh, but we, we, we focus our business on making money through the contractor work. Um, I think if you are in, we do have a few holiday sort of destinations, um, some, some quirky stuff, and they were great through the summer, made an absolute killing, but have obviously tailed off slightly recently. Mm-hmm. And um, I think 
don't get me wrong, we're kind of going into a bit of an off-season anyway. So, you know, November, December are pretty rocky anyway. January's a total shit show. And then you kind of make your money February to November the next year, pretty much. But um, hopefully, I was, uh, I was saying, I think we'll have a good Christmas week because I do think people are going to be like, fuck the rules, I'm going to see my family for Christmas. But yeah, yeah. obviously not being able to stay in their spare rooms like they maybe once did. So yeah. Christmas week was always decent for our portfolio, no matter what location. But I do think it could be quite a strong week this, this year. So the demand will be high. So obviously you can put your prices up and we can hopefully cash in. I think we might lose New Year's Eve. Pretty much, I think that's cancelled. I think, I think that's pretty much written off everywhere, isn't it? So uh, that, that always used to be a good weekend for us. But, but yeah, no, relying on the contractor work is, is where the game's at. And I think that's where the mindset needs to shift for people. People think it's Keyside Apartments, you know, Waterfront, City Centre stuff. And, and it's not, you know, that's, well, that's not my business model anyway. And mm. um, I think the more you dig into it, the more you operate in these different regions, you, you figure out that the model is actually different to what it looks like when you're first getting in or you go on a training course or whatever, you know. And, and um, so, yeah, so busy, looking to expand it. I want to, um, I, I really want to push it hard next year. I think there's a lot of opportunity in the game. And um, I feel like now we can just, it, it's very systemized. So, you know, if someone wanted to give us 100 properties today, apart from probably hiring a load more cleaners, we could pretty much just plug them into the system and it just, it just works, you know. So, so nice. I'm, quite, I'm quite pleased with how that's all sort of panning out. Have you thought about going abroad? Not to live, but to operate? Yeah, no, uh, it's funny you should say that. So um, at the turn of the year, so I used to live in Dubai. Um, mm-hmm. I lived in Dubai for two years, so I know the area very well. And um, the back end of last year, I started talking to one of my good friends over there who still lives there. And um, I was like, do you, want, do you want to see if we can do this over over there? Because there's stacks of properties empty over there, oh. high-rise flats and, you know, and, so I started to make some moves on it just before COVID hit. And um, and then I picked it back up again around June. I had another conversation uh, with my friend over there. And I started you know, firing a few messages on LinkedIn to people and the real estate guys that we know over there. And the, the difference is trying to get the landlords to like understand that you want to use it for a business purpose, not, a, not live in it. And although there's millions of properties empty, some of them just don't get it. So... Obviously, travel's still not where it is, and that is a pure tourist sort of setup. That's not, you know, there's no contractors going there to work or, you know, very few. So that would be your, your holiday makers not wanting to stay in the hotels and wanting sort of the, the apartments on the, on the beachfront, a bit like where we used to live, perfect location for it. So um, if COVID blows over, I would like to think that I, I will push that and, and hopefully by the end of next year have a, have a few over there as well. And then, um, Portugal is another sort of area where I think you could start maybe pushing into villas and, and, and that side of things as well. So, so yeah. And then I think when COVID hit, I was skiing. And as I was skiing, I'm thinking, you yeah, know, you could probably do it over here as well. But the, the world's just on its head at the minute and you don't know yeah, which way yeah. to go, you know. So, so, yeah, I've got big ambitions for it and I think it can work. And I've got obviously the confidence behind me now to push it even further. So it's just, I think it's probably more about timing right now. Yeah, yeah, we drove to Italy a couple of years ago, uh, all the way from all the way from Hull. We drove the whole way there, all the way down, right down through France. And every time we stopped, we stayed in service accommodation the whole way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the standard in Europe was 
far greater. I mean, I'm obviously paying for that, uh, but the standard of of room, of service accommodation room, was 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 phenomenal where we were staying for the, for the for the money that he was paying. I think we stopped four times in France, uh, once in once in Switzerland, and then we stopped for a week in Italy. Then we turned, we came back a different way and did the same on the way back. But it was great. Yeah, was great. no, I think it's, there's there's two models. There's you know, I see all the time people, you know, on the Facebook setting these places up, spending absolute fortunes on furniture packs and all that. And I just kind of like put my hands on my head and think, fuck me, that is going to get wrecked in about eight months' time and you're going to be regretting spending all that. But what you don't know, you don't know. And, you know, coming back to don't get educated and you go into these things. And um, so, but at the same time, there are pockets maybe in places like London and certain, you know, nice cities where, the high-end boutique stuff, a bit like probably what you've rented through Europe, you know, you're quite happy to pay a bit more for that, you know, and um, they're set up for that and geared for that. Your occupancy is probably a lot less, but you're charging a lot more, so you're getting, you know, better people through your doors, blah, blah, blah. My model is a home from home. I just want to create a home from home. You've got to think of the people that's coming away. So, you know, you've got contractor lads, you know, you've got pretty much probably the lads that work for you, you know, they, they live in a certain standard of house when they go away from work. And then they, they, they go away from work and as long as that standard is the same or t- slightly better, then that's, they're not expecting the Ritz Hotel or, you know, Claridge's. You know, they just need a or shower. And an Xbox. Exactly, yeah. The tea is in the fridge, somewhere to cook the food, yeah. you know, and, and that's that. So I do cringe sometimes and I just look at the pain of, you know, these nine grand furniture packs and all this and I just think, <laughs> Jesus, how are you ever going to make money? But at the same time, you've got to be careful not to go too undervalued that it doesn't look great and you don't get bookings. So there's a fine balance between it. But I like to think that we've, we've we, we, I like to think we've ticked that box. And, and, and at the minute, it's working for us. And, and, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, yeah. So, um, no, it's a, good, it's a good place to be. So, but, you know, any commercial stuff, like I actually think the blocks work very well for us at the minute for the contractors because. Mm-hmm. They used to all share rooms. I used to have like four single beds and a double in a room if I could, you know. But now with COVID, it's like a bit PC and, you know, they've got to, okay, well, we can share a house, but they've all got to have a room each, which even during COVID, we actually they had to have a whole apartment to themselves. So that actually benefited us because we'd get more bookings and we'd get more, you know, more rent per property. So, but now they've gone back to rooms pretty much. Um, but the blocks are working very well. So, uh, next year, I want to do a few sort of, if I can find, you know, a, a pub and convert it into three, four, five flats, do that sort of thing, then run it as SA. So, um, and I think maybe we were messaging quite quite a while ago about a gig you had in Hull. I think you were setting up and potentially thinking about, I think it was 11, was it 11 flats? I think you were maybe com- trying yeah, to convert yeah. into. And that that stuff is, is ideal, you know, and they're the type of people that A, I want to work with going mm-hmm. forward and be, you know, start doing for myself next year. So uh, blocks of flats where there's, you know, no bloody, whatever they're called it with lease management agreements, kicking your door down, send your snotty little letters because you, you're running it as an SA, you know, you own it, you can do what you want with it. And, you know, as long as you're respecting the neighborhood and it's not going to cause too many issues, but that again comes back to where yeah, 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 your guest avatar. So, the contractors are no bother. Half the time they're fixing spotlights for us and doing, oh, we had a leaking tap, so we just fixed it for you. You know, they're great. Yeah, yeah. And then you get the dickheads in, you know, like we've just had at the weekend one, you know, they went out, they've had a fight, they've splattered blood all over the hallway wall, all over the wall in the flat, and they've paid for it. You know, they know that they've damaged it. It's not 
the expense of getting it sorted. It's the hassle. It. It's the time, you know, that everyone has to put in to sort it out because they're just so disrespectful to, to, yeah. to the flat. And so if I could choose between the two models, I'd definitely go for the contractor side. It's just, mm. it's a breeze, you know, it, it is a breeze. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, Paul, listen, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're busy. Um, how can people connect with you? Obviously I like to connect people. I've got plenty of people listening. So how can they find you training? How can they find you? Um, you know, how can they connect with you? So if you go on to our, our core business, the training business on our website, www.constructiontrainingacademy.com, there's an opt-in box on the on, on nearly every page, I think. Uh, if you <laughs> register on there, you'll subscribe to what I call my sort-of daily emails. I used to call them sort-of, but this guy called me out when I – no, I used to call them daily emails. And this guy sent me a complaint actually once uh, and said, you said that these emails were daily. Uh, I had one today, and I was like, you prick. You know, who was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I now call them sort of daily emails because I forget. I love uh, it. That's where that came from. Uh, yeah, so constructiontradingacademy.com. Uh, register on there and you'll get – I do send out sort of daily emails uh, where we, I'll, I'll send out tips, tricks, guides, downloads, templates, all sorts of shit. Uh, and I share stuff that's actually happening to me uh, or stuff I'm actually involved with. It's not, it's not content I create. It's stuff I'm documenting and sharing. Uh, find us on Facebook. I've got a Facebook group as well that uh, where we share this stuff. And you've got a YouTube channel. Uh, but if you wanted to get in touch with us direct, you're best through the training academy and just click the uh, click the discovery call button or the email us button. Contact us through there. Superb, superb. All right. Um, as always, don't forget to leave a review and hit Paul up if you want to get in touch with him. And um, thanks for listening once again. Cheers, Paul. Thanks a lot. Thanks, mate.